0: Welcome all of our congregations and those that are joining us online to the second message in our series called Parables, Life Lessons from Jesus. Come on, can we just welcome all those that are joining us? Man, we're super pumped to have everyone with us. So we are doing something during this Lenten season, I've never done it before, where I'm teaching for six weeks through the parables. Now I've taught parables before. But I've never done a whole series on parables. By the way, I think it's important that we never get too old and stop trying things new. The fact is, is that sometimes we get old. Even as preachers, it's like we can get stuck in a rut. Like, and, and by the way, it's good for us mentally, emotionally, just to try new things. So I have a testimony. I've started something new. And a matter of fact, my son challenged me. I'm getting a little bit older. He thinks he's stronger. It's not true. So this fall, he said, Dad, I think you need to do this with us. So friends of I, we're, we're playing this, this, this new game. I said, well, what is this new game? Is it a board game? No, Dad, it's, it's actually, it's, it's called pickleball. I said, well, that's, that, I'm, I don't know, pickleball. I mean, I, what, what is that? And I don't know. The challenge level was certainly. Then my wife said to me, Steve, I, I think that we should play pickleball. I think I can beat you. How I many know it was on? <laughs> Listen, don't, 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 honey, don't go. Anyway, so, so it was fun. We went out there. I destroyed all the league college kids. All right, here we go. <laughs> Everybody say parable. So we have begun a series called parables. What, what is a parable? I'm going to tell you what a parable is. A parable is a simple story illustrating a spiritual moral truth. It's taught by Jesus. By the way, Jesus was the one who popularized parables as evidence in the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And It was amazing because as Jesus would, whether he was on this, the, the hillside right along the shores of Galilee, you see those beautiful mountains. He would be teaching, whether it was his disciples or bigger crowds, whoever it was, he would use these things called parables. Similar situations. Basic things of life. A lamp on a lampstand. Next thing you know, he's teaching this spiritual truth about a lamp on a lampstand. Or he picks up seeds and he starts talking about sowing. All of them were what? They were were illustrations. He was the master communicator, by the way. They were illustrations to teach spiritual and moral truths. And they all pointed towards really one big thing. Number one, to trust that Jesus is the Messiah. And secondly, to understand what it means to live a kingdom life. By the way, you and I can live in the kingdom of God. Not just 2,000 years ago, Jesus talked about how do you enter into the kingdom? You enter in through a personal relationship with the Messiah, and then your eyes are opened. And then you begin to understand what it means to live in kingdom power and and have kingdom benefits and understand this whole thing called the kingdom. Jesus taught in parables to teach spiritual and moral truths and kingdom life. Today I want to talk to you about a very powerful parable. I want to talk to you about the parable in Matthew chapter 9 of wine and wineskins. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Matthew chapter 9. I want to talk to you today about the parable of the wine and wineskins. Theologians believe there is around 38 parables. What's crazy is, is if you look it up, there's anywhere between 38 and 60. Let me tell you why there's such a a large range. Today, for example, I'm going to give you one concept, but there's actually two parables attached to it. So whether or not the theologians bucket, sometimes they'll bucket similar concepts, different images. And so there's at least 38. I've always said 38, but as I was studying during this, there's some that even say 60. And the reason why is they break out. For example, today, technically I'm teaching two. I would call it one. Does that make sense? Now, I want to talk to you today about this parable because Jesus is talking about, watch this, the principle of change. The principle of change. I believe that God is doing amazing things at Church of the King. Matter of fact, since... I would say since the beginning of the year. Everybody, and I'll say this, I'll even go beyond that. I, I was with some pastors a couple weeks ago, and they all said the same thing. There's more of the presence of God in our worship services. There's more of a presence of God in the youth service. It's like everything, the prayer meetings, everything that, that my friends were talking about. It's like there's a there's an intensification of God's spirit being poured out in their life, in their family, in the churches they lead, and in the earth. How many of y'all believe that? How many of y'all sense that? It's like you can to sense it. And two things happen with that. Number one, there's an expectation. When you begin to sense God move, there's an expectation for more. But there's also a requirement, watch us, of preparation. Whenever there's an expectation, there's also preparation. We, We use a term when a woman is pregnant, they'll say, I'm what? Say it. Expecting. And when you're expecting, right? When this young couple's expecting, how I many know oh, there's 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 preparation? What is the preparation? That room that you used to use, sir, you lose that room. <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about. Things change. Why? Because there's an expectation. How I many know oh, when mama's expecting daddy yields? Can I have a big amen? There's lots of changes that happen. Expectation produces preparation. I, by the way, I, I love this. I, I love when, when, when young couples in our church, it's like, you know, they're cool, right? It's like, you know, we're never going to get a van, you know, like we're cool. Have a child, you're still cool. Have another one, you're still cool. How many of you know, have three and you're like, where's the nearest vans? Come on. Everybody say expectation. Everybody say preparation. I believe that God is doing amazing things in our lives and in this church. And there's an expectation for more. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, we, and this is crazy, this is a paradox. In a sense, we're satisfied with our relationship with God, and yet we're not satisfied knowing there's more. There's more of the presence of God. And there's that paradox. And in the same way, Jesus begins to teach these, these followers about the principle of change. The principle of the need to be flexible. Matter of fact, all throughout the Bible. If you, if you read the Old Testament, all the way into the New Testament, there's this, there's this sense that God is always up to something. In other words, God is always wanting to do in his people something new. Matter of fact, 700 years before Christ, the principle of change. God's going to do something new. Listen to this, Isaiah. I love this, Forty three, nineteen. Behold, I will do a, everyone say it, a new thing. A new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God was saying, I'm going to do something. I'm going to surprise you. Here it is. Expect it, but prepare for it. And you see these twins together. Expect it. God's going to do something. Great. And I'm believing that as your pastor. God's going to move in your family. God's going to move in the life of your children and your grandchildren, in your heart, in your mind. Watch this. Prepare for it. Don't just expect it. Prepare for it when there's an expectation. Do something. In other words, position yourself for it. That's exactly what Jesus is teaching in the parable Of the wine and wineskins. Matthew chapter 9 verse 17. I love this. He says, nor do they put new wine into old wineskins. Or else the wineskins break. And the wine is spilled. And the wineskins are ruined. But they put, here it is, new wine into new wineskins. When this happens... Both are preserved. Jesus is teaching his followers and often the crowd, the onlookers, often two groups, his disciples, and then it would, there would be like this developing crowd that would come around him. And he was teaching them about the importance of change. Change is not easy for all of us. It change is something that we can all get stuck in our ruts, in our rituals, in our routines. And yet, when we're expecting God to do something new, we've got to prepare. In other words, we've got to make some adjustments. Just like that young couple. They need to adjust. Just like whatever it is in our lives, we, we need to make adjustments. And he's teaching these followers. And, and here's the interpretation. And then I'll give you the application. The interpretation immediately is saying this. The old forms of Judaism cannot contain the freshness of the grace and the gospel of God. The the old forms, in other words, the old ways of doing things, old covenant, it's about to change, new covenant. In other words, we're not going to be going down to downtown Jerusalem sacrificing sheep anymore. The Lamb of God is here and I'm about to be sacrificed. You, You have to understand there's a principle here. The principle is old forms can't contain new things. So he uses this parable. It's illustration of wine, new wine, and wineskins. Wineskins are leather pouches that stored wine in the time of Christ. He said, unfermented wine expands. And when you have unfermented wine expanding, and you have an if you have it in an old wineskin, an old wineskin is what is it? It's rigid, it's inflexible, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't change. So you've got to put unfermented wine because it emits these gases and it expands. You have to put it in a new wineskin, a new wi- Where does wineskins come from? Leather products, from, from animal hides. Jesus says you don't put new wine in old wineskins. In other words, you've got to change the container if something new's going in it. How many times our mindset limits what God wants to do? How many times our belief system limits our, our habits? Our, we, we limit what God wants to do in our lives. And he's pushing on this group. He's pushing on them. Old structures have to change. Old paradigms. He's he's telling them that if you want me to do something new in your life, you got to be willing to change. So I want to address three things today. Where do we need to change? Number one, we have to have a new openness in our hearts. A new openness. Look at verse 17 again. But they put new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. First century A.D. Here we go. Jesus was walking the earth and, again, he would take images and illustrations. He would take things from common language, common culture. That's what he would do. And so now these farmers, he looks over and he says, well, farmers, they... They would take these large swaths of, 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 of hide and skin of animals and, and they begin to make these leather products. And, and they would tie these leather products together and, this, and they would, they would begin to, they'd begin to push it out. You guys have seen that even hundreds of years ago, even in our own nation. A canteen wasn't a metal canteen, but it was a leather canteen. Very similar in the time of Christ. And so he, he would say, you, you take these leather products and, and you'd have to make new ones. Because when these grapes would go in and the process of fermentation would take place, they emit gases and they expand. And so these, 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 this what's going in it expands. And old, rigid leather canteens would break. You can't put new things in old things. You can't put the freshness of the gospel in old legalistic Judaic systems. You can't put the new thing that God wants to do in your heart without allowing your mind to change. But first, if God wants to do something new in your heart and your life, you've got to allow your inside to change. It's interesting when you think about the heart in the Bible, the heart, the deepest part of the human personality. It's the, it's the part where when you get born again, the Bible says your body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? The Holy Spirit doesn't come to live in your mind, but it comes to live in your heart. The deepest part, it's the seat of your personhood where, where, where it's actually before you come to Christ, the Bible says it's dead, but when you come to Christ, it becomes alive. That part of who you are, the Holy Spirit comes to live in. The problem is the container. In life, you go through things, and when the container, the wineskin, when the wineskin gets hurt and disappointed, it constricts. A Pastor, I, we had such hopes. We had such expectations of life and our family, and things didn't work out the way that we thought. That wineskin... A container it can it can constrict and I and, and I I was bleeding for this and, and I thought this was gonna happen and, and this disappointment it that's why it's so important for us to process our pain to process it with God and whether the trusted men and women whether it's small group pastors counselors just to why because pain hardens our heart and God is saying I want to put new wine new wine in the Bible Is often analogous to, it's an analogy with the Holy Spirit, the expansive nature of God's presence in our lives. God says, I want to put, I want to put my spirit within you, and I want my spirit to expand within you, but your heart, your wineskin, it's become rigid and hard. You didn't process that disappointment last year well. And and God's saying, I wanna do something new. The problem is, is not. The problem is not the source. The problem is it's the container. Question, has your container been constricted? Yeah. So we hear about revival. We hear about Asbury. And for three weeks, God was pouring out his spirit with these young people, college kids. We hear about Sanford University, all these universities. And we hear about churches. God's pouring out his spirit. God's pouring out his spirit here. And so we begin to cry out, oh, God, God, do something new in my life. The issue is not. Does God want to pour out his spirit? The issue is, is our heart constricted where when he does, it's spilled and ruined. Wow. Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart. That's good news. The the good news is that God can heal our hearts. How many are grateful that God can heal broken hearts? How many are grateful for that? So. God is speaking not only to the lost, those that don't know Christ. God gives you a new heart, but I'm so grateful that also the found, God can heal a broken heart. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And I will remove from you the heart of stone and give to you a heart of flesh. Over time, our hearts can grow hard because of the disappointments of life. And we all need a new wineskin. We need our heart to be freshly excavated. If I can say it that way. Where, where God can pull out the hurts and pull out some of the unforgiveness and pull out some of the disappointment, pull out some of the things that are constricting the new wine of his presence. What God wants to do. So expectation and preparation. Pastor, how do I prepare my heart? Psalms 51:17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, a humble heart, a hungry heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise this is when a heart when a person says God I'm, I'm hungry everybody say hungry you remember that beatitude I taught it a couple years ago blessed are those here it is blessed are those who hunger and say it thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled translated satisfied in God there's a hunger 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 positions us it, it, it hunger it, it positions our hunger. It, it moves us towards God. I just thought about in the book of James, draw near to God. He draws near to us. God, the problem is not the source. The problem is not the, problem is not the, the, the water source. The problem is the container. Can our, can our heart contain what God wants to do? Have we allowed the stuff of the world and, and distractions? And, uh, have we allowed hurts and disappointments? Have we allowed that to constrict? Is our wineskin constricted? We have to position ourselves, God, created me a clean heart, oh God. Lord, do a fresh work of grace in my life. Old structures, old containers can't handle new things. Number one, we need a a new heart. Number two, the second thing that I believe Jesus is talking about is not only a, a new heart, but a new way of thinking. In this parable, Jesus is saying, I didn't come to repair old broken systems and painful ways of life he didn't come to do a new thing and an old structure he comes to do a new thing and a new wineskin and one of the areas that I believe that we all myself included constrict what God wants to do is in the realm of our thinking it's believing as of the heart thinking is of the mind and in our thinking look at Jesus illustrates the same concept Of God wanting to do a new thing but now he uses another picture and this is where theologians differ some will say there's 38 parables some will say 60 I'm actually giving you another parable but it's the same genre same concept I would consider it one some would consider it two. let me give you another analogy this is so powerful the concept overarching concept big idea change new things can't fit in old ways all right here's another analogy he uses Verse 16, the previous verse. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Why? For the patch pulls away from the garment, and the tear is made worse. We see the concept of change given again by our Lord. Now, I want you to think about this. I, um, I was a kid in the 70s, and here's the deal. When our, so we'd get jeans, and when you get jeans, you would wear those jeans, and you'd wear those jeans, and then when you would get holes in the jeans, your mom would get a what? Say it, a patch, and you would sew that patch on the knees, and you didn't get new jeans. You didn't get new jeans because there were holes, you got new jeans when you outgrew them. I know it's different today. Now you pay big money to go into a store and buy jeans with holes and rips, which is a clear sign of the end times. (laughs) The return of Christ is near. I just want to say that. (laughs) That was funny. Anyway, I am not, I mean, could you imagine when we were kids my age to think, I'm buying those jeans. No, you didn't do that. Now, here's the problem. I know the technology's advanced, even the 70s compared with 2,000 years ago, but Jesus, here's what Jesus' point is. He goes, You'd have these unshrunk patches. He says, you don't put an unshrunk patch on cloth that's already been shrunk, because what's going to happen is, if you wash that, the unshrunk patch actually begins to shrink. It breaks the seam, watch this, and it pulls away. What's the point here? You can't mix the new with the old. Do you see it? It's the same concept. You can't mix the gospel of the grace of God with the container of old Judaic systems. It's new covenant, old covenant. His point is, it's okay, you can't put the new, and what we wanna do often is we wanna overlay the new over the old, but we don't wanna get rid of the old. And let me tell you where that's evidenced greatly in all of our lives, in our thinking. come to Christ our hearts change We, we have a new relationship with Jesus there's a new fire there's a new passion but we're unwilling oftentimes to lay down our old thinking here's what I found that if our thinking is messed up long enough it messes up our heart in other words when you get born again your heart changes but your thinking doesn't immediately change that's what Paul talks about Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, let me share this with you guys. I'm talking about the principle of change. Don't overlay the new without a willingness to let go of the old. Isaiah 55, verse 8. This is so powerful. For my thoughts, that's God talking, are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, that's big, right? So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, immediately we can say, well, you know what, pastor? God's ways are mysterious. I just can't ever think God's thoughts. I might as well just case her off, just whatever. No, 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 no. That is not an invitation to despondency. It's actually an invitation to engagement. In other words, how do I get God's thoughts in my thoughts and let go of my thoughts? In other words, how do I begin to think like God? How do I begin to imbibe the value systems of the kingdom and walk in kingdom living? In other words, well, Paul says it. Paul says you begin to live this kingdom life, Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't think the way the world does. But be transformed by the renewing of your what? Say it. Mind. Don't just lay new on old. Lay new and let go of old. The old world system, the value system. In other words, view your life through the lens of God's word. View your kids, view your marriage, view your resources, view your opportunities, view eternity. View your origin, view your destiny through the eyes of God. God's sovereignty, God's word. God says, you actually, Paul, the book of Romans, is, we believe is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Here's the point. Paul says, you can live a different life as you begin to think like God thinks. No, you don't become God. You're made in the image of God. You're a child of God. But you begin to think like God. Wow. When I gave my heart to Christ, I had to go through a process of renewing my mind. By the way, Pastor, when is our mind fully renewed? When you die and see Jesus face to face. You are in a crock pot on love. I'm using a lot of 70s illustrations today I thought I'd just share. It's kind of going back. Number one, what is he saying here? Here's what he's saying. Here's the principle. The concept is the principle of change. Number one, you can't put new wine into old wineskins. What's the point there? The expansive nature of wine, it expands, and old brittle wineskin will break, and both are ruined. Number one. Our hearts can get brittle because of the pains of life. And we have to allow the Holy Spirit to create in us a new heart to receive what God wants. to Number two, we've got to allow our minds to be challenged by the word of God, not just to give up and say, uh, it'll never change. No, allow the Holy Spirit to use the word of God to bring transformation in your life as your mind changes. You can think differently. What are you limited in your life right now by more than your mind? Think about it. God speaks to you, tells you to do something, you don't do it. Why? I can't. Wait a minute. Who said you can't? Did God say you can't? That's different if God says you can't. But don't let man say you can't when God says you can't. (laughs) Come on, are y'all with me? Don't, don't, Don't allow that. That's why our minds need to be renewed. Our minds need to be renewed. Renewed what? By the Word of God. All right, here we go. Third thing. So let me go back. If God, if we want... I'm going to ask a question. All of our locations, those that are joining us online, how many of y'all want God to do something new in your life this year? Come on, just raise your hand. Okay, here it is. Let me give you the third and final thing. Number one, new heart, new wineskin. Number two, new thinking. Number three, here it is. New wineskins in our routines and our schedules. Matthew chapter 9, verse 17. Nor do they put new wine in old wineskins or else the wineskin breaks wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined, but they put new wine in the new wineskins, containers and both are preserved. Jesus is saying we have to position ourselves we have to position ourselves to receive the new I want to say that again, we have to position ourselves to receive the new if God wanted to pour some new wine into your life an analogy of his presence question is this would you have the hunger, the habits, or the space in your life for him to do it? I'm asking you that. Everybody. Everybody that's listening to me, whatever location you're at, those online. Would you have the space in your life? Well, let me give you another aspect. Are you willing to create the space in your life? Wow. We're so busy. All of us. We've got things to do, moving, just boom, boom. Are we willing? And I understand time is the most precious commodity. And it's a, listen, it's a non, you can't use it again. And it comes and it goes. The question is, how are we investing our time? I wonder, I wonder if, I wonder if God is, and we're running so fast, if he's going, hey, I'm trying to do something new in your life. Can you, can you just create a little bit of space? I'm sorry, God. I'm so busy. I, I, I mean, I, I love you. You're amazing. But I'll, can I get back to you? Wow. God's saying, God, I've got some new wine I'm trying to pour out on you. But I'm not going to do it if it's going to be spilled and ruined. Ooh. you got to create some space. Let me give you two areas. Number one. Number one. Are you willing this year to create some space in the morning to spend time with God? You know, Jesus, we believe the scripture is clear. He's fully God and fully man. That's called the hypostatic union, theologically speaking. And yet, in his humanity, Mark chapter 1, listen to this. Talking about creating space. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he, come on, everybody said it, prayed. I don't know about you, but let me just tell you about me. If I go a day or two without connecting with God in the morning, it's not I have to spend three hours. It's just maybe it's five, ten minutes. I tell you this, the more time you spend with God, the more hungry you are to spend time with God. It's like a good relationship, right? I know this after a day or two, I feel it. After two or three days, four days, my family begins to feel it. <laughs> after a week, everybody gets to feel it. That old cranky, don't say amen. I'm just being honest. But anyway, so <laughs> I just took it. It's true. It's true. It's true. The reality is, is that. When I don't create space in my schedule for God to meet me, can I tell you something? It's like a fish out of water. Do you know that your habitat, your natural habitat as a child of God is being in the presence of Almighty God? And when I open that word in the morning and I let the Holy Spirit speak to me, I go, I have a study above my garage and a built-out room, and I and I go and I, I read my Bible and, and and I begin to pray and spend, not because I'm a pastor, it's because I'm a Christian. And I need to make sure that, that my wineskin, what is that? The structure of my life. I, I need to make sure there's, there's a flexibility to it. There's a space. Question, if God speaks to you and he asks you to spend more time with him, is there space in your life? You make time for people that are important to you. You prioritize. Business people, you know how to do it. You look at your calendar. Somebody calls says, hey, they want to get with you. You systematically prioritizing your mind, the value of that individual to what you're trying to accomplish. You go, I'll do it. You make time. Why? Because of the importance of that person. Can I ask you a question? How important is God? How important is God? The second way, and I'll close with this, and I'm going to challenge you, encourage you as your pastor. Acts chapter 20, verse 7. Now on the first day of the week, the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread. Something about creating space in our hearts. I had a lady tell me a couple weeks ago, it's crazy. She hadn't been to church in two and a half years. She goes, Pastor, I forgot how much I missed being together in church. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? This is so important. Can I tell you something? I love our online audience. I love the people that watch around the world. But I'm going to tell you, if you're close to a physical location, you need to be in the house of God. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. There's nothing like being with other believers and brothers and sisters in Christ crying out to God. The Bible actually says in Psalms 133, how pleasant it is for my brethren to dwell together in unity. For there I command my blessing. How many of y'all want God's blessing on your life? How many of y'all want it's amazing. And the presence of God, I want to I want to encourage you, if you want God to do something new in your life this year, are you willing to allow God to tweak your schedule on the weekend? Now, I know you're here in church in the physical locations, but make it a habit. The disciples did. I read a recent statistic, 33 percent. Now, this is all Americans attend church once a month. There's 33 percent. They didn't differentiate between Christian, and non-Christian. I thought to myself, Okay, one one time a month. I thought to myself, what would happen in our nation if that doubled? And it was sixty-six percent and two times one. When this word and you hear the word, and you're in the presence of God, question: Are you willing to create space in your schedule for God to pour out new wine? What have we learned today? Number one, the principle of change. God says, I can't do a new work in an old, broken, crusty heart. Cry out for a new heart. Number two, he says, I can't, I can't, I can't do new. I don't want to have new thoughts just cohabitating with old thoughts. Let the old replace, let the new replace the old. Number three, are you willing to create new grooves in your rhythms and your schedules and make space for God? I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. All of our locations. I want to pray for you right now. Just sense the Holy Spirit. God is moving. God is moving. Yeah. Maybe you don't know Christ. The very first step, the actual interpretation of this principle is that the gospel of grace cannot fit within the old covenant legalistic system. God, Jesus wants to do a new thing in your heart. Give you a new heart, a new spirit. The Bible calls that being born again. But the unbeliever, when they get saved, it's being born a second time, spiritually born. Question, do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you died today, you're ready to stand before God? I want to pray for you in just a moment. All of our locations, those that are joining us online, I'm going to just look right at you. Do you know Jesus? Have you been forgiven of your sin? Have you asked Christ to come into your heart? That's the first step to kingdom living, is becoming a believer in Jesus, the Messiah. Do you know Christ. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. I can't save you. Church, the king can't save you. I'll tell you who can. His name is Jesus. I'll point to him. His name is Jesus. In just a moment, the count of three, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. If you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I need the blood of Jesus to wash me, to cleanse me, and to make me new. If that's you, the count of three, I'm going to ask you to hold your hand up high. One, two, three. Quickly, just hold your hand up high. See your hand. God bless you. God bless you, sir, right there. God bless you. God bless you right there. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. Anybody else? God bless you up top. God bless you, sir, right here. Anybody else? God bless you, ma'am. Yeah. Anybody else? God bless you right there. See your hand. God bless you, sir. All right, church, with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, let's just pray. Come on. Church family, let's pray with those that are trusting Christ right now. This is the most important prayer they'll ever pray. Right here. Here we go. Everybody say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today. A sinner in need of a savior. Say this. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put in your hands. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. (laughs) The <laughs> Wow, what a powerful message. If you're making the decision to follow Christ, congratulations, this is the most incredible decision that you will ever make and we're celebrating with you. Absolutely, scripture says that today, you're a new creation, you have been made brand new by the blood of Jesus and so we just wanna celebrate this moment for you because we believe this is the best moment of your life and we as your church family are so excited to walk alongside you in your new life with Jesus. Yes, and we would love for you to share your story with us. And we would like to provide some incredible resources as you start your new life with Christ. If you're making that decision, text the word decision to eight two two eight two two, or click the link in the chat. We would love to hear from you. Well, guys, we can't wait to be back here next week as we continue to unpack and dive into the lessons that Jesus taught in our new series, Parables. So make sure you come back. Join us next week, same time. Same place. Have a great week.